0: Good morning, Kat. Good morning, Shelley. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm really cool. I'm very excited with the guest that we got on today on canotherapy. Therapy. It's Amber Espinoza from Isidro Espinoza Horsemanship in the US. Um, very, very cool to have Amber on. Hi, good morning, Amber, or actually good afternoon, Amber.
1: Good afternoon. <laughs> I would like to sleep in this long. That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: wouldn't that be cool now I've known Amber for years and I followed Amber's training We've got a really good relationship of sharing lots of cool ideas so I've got a lot of respect for Amber and her husband Asidro they do some pretty cool things with horses especially the Mustang horse so Amber I want to know how did you and Asidro get into Mustang training?
1: Um, well <laughs> I tend to be impulsive sometimes and I decided that I really wanted to um, train a wild horse to see if I could do it. I've been riding and training my whole life. Um, And so in 2007, um, I'm like, I was in living in Southern California where I grew up and I was only maybe a couple hours from a um, Bureau of Land Management um, corral. And so I decided I'm like, I'm just gonna, I wanna see if I can do it. I wanna see if I can train a wild horse, you know, to really test my skills. Um, as a horse trainer and I had no idea what I was doing. It was a great way to show me that I had knew nothing um, and I made a ton of mistakes, um, except um, I was smart enough to um, think about getting a young one. So I got a two-year-old uh, gelding. And when I went there, I listened to the Wranglers on, um, I didn't I didn't look for color. I, I looked solely for personality and temperament. Um, and so I just listened to the Wranglers and they kept pointing out this horse to me that every time I turned around, he was just kind of standing there, um, kind of half asleep. And then he would realize everybody else ran off and maybe he should go follow them. Um, and so I have all these really cool pictures of this horse just standing near me. Um, so he kind of picked me just because yeah. he just kind of has a derpy, not paying attention kind of personality. <laughs> And so, um, and so they they just kept saying that'll be a good one because I just in this pen with like fifty two year old geldings. Yeah, wow. Um, and so uh, I I decided I'm like, well, they know what they're talking about, right? This is what they do. So I think that's a a good reminder that if you're going in somewhere, um, and people are around are dealing with it and around it, listen to them. Yeah, you know, don't go in there all kind of cocky that you are like, I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna pick out whatever. Like listen to these guys they see these horses every day right yeah. and so um I took him home and made every mistake you could possibly make and somehow <laughs> that poor thing got trained um and I I've had him he just passed away this year
0: yeah what was his I name had, I
1: kept him. it's his name is Relampago and we nicknamed him Lumpy yeah and um really really cool horse um uh, he's just it was unlike training anything else in my entire life and I've yeah. been hooked on them ever since.
0: Yeah. so um, can, I'm really interested that you say that, that there were any different because you train a lot of horses before that, and then you go and get yourself a Mustang and the Mustang teaches you a lesson. So what are some of the differences between what you find of like a normal domesticated horse and the horse that's been taken in from the wild?
1: Um, the... It, if you talk to a lot of Mustang trainers, it's really hard to put it into words, Um, but I will try. And the main thing is they are just, um, I mean, horses are pretty honest anyways. It's just their nature, but these guys are like so honest. Like they are um, just as pure and honest and um, kind of, I find them just easier to, to read. Uh, cause they're really, really just about self-preservation, um, yeah. and feeling safe. And so, um, I think some things with domestic can get a little muddled in their head where, um, they know, you know, people are good and they give them stuff and treats and, but they yeah. don't necessarily really comfortable with them, but yeah. they can kind of, you can kind of get by. You can't get away with that with a Mustang. It's all or nothing. Like they either trust you or they don't. Mm. Um, and so Um, I've just found that they are, um, easier to read that way because it's either, they're just, they, you know, have no hidden agendas It's either, they just need to feel safe. Um, and so, uh, and then once you do earn that trust, like, um, the amount that they will give you, I just have never gotten that from a domestic horse. Like they will just give you everything they've got. Um, and then just be so super self-reliant, they eat less, they're healthier, they tend to be sounder, they're incredibly stoic, um, Mm. and just tough, Uh, so like, if you can earn their trust, it's just the most rewarding thing, Um, and they can be super affectionate, yeah, Um, but in a, yeah, but in a, in not an obnoxious way, unless, I have had people create obnoxious ones, but they aren't innately that way, and yeah. um, is kind of cool. Um, so I hope I put that into words, how they're a little bit different, but it, it, really, it really got me hooked uh, on, on how they respond um, in just a very, very natural, pure kind of way. Mm. Um, so the, their language, their dance, they're super vocal. And I don't mean as in like their voice. I mean, if you pay attention, they're constantly communicating with you. Yeah. Um, and super hyper aware of everything so they're easy to train in that sense
2: yeah because they
1: can be just just a shift of your body weight, you can tell them to do something yeah, wow. um, which is kind of cool
2: so do you think that's because of the breeds that go into the mustangs or do you think that's because of the wild aspect that they've been out living and having to fend for themselves for so long
1: I think it's the wild aspect I think it's their environment of having to survive in not great conditions. Um, So so definitely like the fittest are surviving, the ones that are more aware are gonna survive, right? Like compared to ones that aren't, you know, really on top of things. So, and then just being able to communicate really like, especially I like ones that have been in the wild, at least a couple of years Mm -hmm. because they really learn how to communicate um, and, you know, be a horse. Yeah. Uh, and I find them easier to train than something that's been kind of muddled with, with people communication.
2: Yeah, so this is a really naive question from someone living in Australia, but what's the predators for the Mustangs over there? Like what's out there to get them?
1: Um, So that's a big problem um, because there aren't that many anymore. Yeah. Um, they do have, uh, right, there are mountain lions. Um, that they can get them you know wolves can get them um but it's mostly their issue with them right now is just the land can't sustain them yeah. Um, because they about every three years the herd will double in size yeah. um, and they're very devastating to the land compared to even cattle uh so so yeah it's there aren't a lot of predators it's more their hardiness to be able to survive on just not good forage, and then um, to you know to I think they succumb more to like broken legs and injuries and fighting among each other. Um, so the toughest ones will will survive.
2: Absolutely.
0: So Amber, can you give us a rundown? What are the common mistakes people make when they decide to go adopt a Mustang? and they go and run into trouble like you did when you first, um, when you first um, had your experience with, what are some common mistakes people
1: make? So my biggest one was just, you know, not, not going in um, educated, you know, um, so, and at the time, there wasn't a lot, like, we didn't even have the internet, right, really, like, in 2007, yeah. there wasn't, like, the internet wasn't big or anything. So we have so much more resources at our fingertips. So I find they go in not really knowing what to expect and not being prepared, um, mm-hmm. for either their facility isn't prepared, um, because they, they're not joking when they, when they say you need six foot fences and, um, you know, pretty sturdy. Cause some of these guys, they'll just jump right over that. Hey, wow. um, yeah, and then not having a support system, you know, you need to have a resource. Um, and that's actually one of my questions when I'm interviewing potential adopters is, you know, if you run into trouble, do you have somebody near you that mm-hmm. can help? Um, and because that's important, you should have that um, support system to reach out to in case you get into trouble yeah. um, or get stuck. And I so, think- uh oh, that's a anyone- big one.
2: Sorry, Kat. Huh? I said I think that's important for any horse person whether you're dealing with a wild mustang or anything else
0: yeah I think right. these guys probably have a more of a smaller threshold first for getting into trouble though is is that how it is Amber because
1: uh, yeah I really think though that like cause in these because you know I run a couple of these big Mustang challenges yeah um, which is I'm doing one right now so today's insane because I'm preparing <laughs> for it but um, so, I mean, I, we put, we put two on and there it's an in-hand competition as opposed to a ridden one. Um, and really the average horse owner can do this. They really yeah. can. There's so much knowledge out there. Um, that's accessible to us. And if, um, if they just take their time, oh, well, you're fine. If they just take their time and, and not have a whole lot of expectation and just put the work in it's, it's a matter of putting the time in, um, going out there every day and doing something um yep. and you can get these guys trained so um so yeah I'm not even sure what the question was <laughs> <laughs> oh, just,
0: off, so. that's all right just the uh, common problems that people run into and stuff like that that's
1: a that's a big one is is yeah. not having a, a good facility for them yeah. and then um grossly overestimating their abilities
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and not having a support system lined up in case they do get into trouble yeah
0: is that just because you gotta have like you've just got to really have those skills to work with them because they're so fine-tuned to everything they they you know you've got to get really good at being able to read them, so being able to like overwhelm them or whatever might be quite high, is is would that be a good so summary or not so?
1: What there's a couple, there's either they put too much pressure and um, they, they don't get anything done because it's too much pressure and they can't handle it and they shut down. Yeah. Right. Um, or, um, what is I find more common is, um, the horses are smart and they will train them not to touch them. They will yeah. train them to stay away. They will, right. Cause they, what, what incentive do they have to let that person come? They don't know how good it can be yet. Right. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, so we have run into a lot of it that people will do a lot of this approach and retreat and, um, oh, he won't let me do this. Or he won't, well, yeah, I mean, you've got to, you, they don't push the threshold enough and they, the horse will just train them.
0: Yes. Yeah, so to so, the Mustang does some great human training instead.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, they're <laughs> like, oh, this is great. I know exactly how to make you go away. Um, cause they don't have any incentive, right. To, to yeah. have you to, you know, you're scary. Why touch me? And then later once they realize it's not so bad and they're like, oh, okay. But you have to cross that threshold. Um, and I think so many people are are so stuck on afraid to push thresholds. Yeah. You know, they're afraid, oh, we can't scare them. I'm like, okay, well, they're scared just standing in the pen, so maybe let's help them get over that fear a little faster, so they yeah. can start to enjoy their life, right?
0: Yeah, that's so. I actually I just um I just wrote a little blog about empathy um, today, actually, and that's actually one of the things uh, I said about empathy's got three layers to it. First of all, you've got to be able to understand, to say, the horse's perspective. And so for some people that's hard because they don't understand the horse. So they read it through a human perspective, which is not how a horse right. sees and interprets the world. As you said, they're standing there. They're completely un- uncomfortable by being removed from their herd and isolated or, you know, in this strange place. But people don't see that necessarily. Then the next layer to it is this contagious emotion level that, that we pick up on the, you know, what we perceive as the emotions in others and it can make us feel really uncomfortable. Uh, That's why people, are, and this is a bad thing just with people with people is that someone's distress causes you distress. So you want to minimize that person's distress. And that's why people like, you know, oh, you'll be right, you know, or, you know, because they can't stand the feeling inside them that's being triggered. And the final Mm. one is like, you get this drive to help, but you got to help in the right way. So when you right. got a horse there, I suppose, that's wild, you know, and you're trying to say I'm working with empathy for it, and every time it gets upset, you back off because the right thing is it's scared and it, I won't touch it, you know, so you avoid it. Really what those people are doing is feeling uncomfortable themselves because they don't know what to do and they're making these bad decisions. And as you said, they're letting that horse stand there in that pen, not knowing how to navigate this new life that it's got, and you're just mm. prolonging its suffering. So how's that empathetic? Because you're yeah. worried about upsetting it
1: yeah (laughs) no it's that's brilliant because it's so true and i've into that problem a lot and another issue is people are so worried about doing something wrong like yeah they're doing something wrong by scaring the horse or upsetting it and and there's a lot of trainers out there that feed off of that right like oh you know um natural horsemanship's bad because you know we we can do it all with positive reinforcement and and never make the horse be upset or go over threshold and i'm like what kind of resiliency are you teaching that horse that's going to go out into these, you can't control everything. So when you go out into the world or, you know, uh, heaven forbid you break your leg and someone has to come feed for you and they've never seen that person. Now they're stressed out and they don't know how to handle stress. Right. So, um, it's a, it's a balance for me of, of, you know, like, okay, yeah, you can be empathetic with your training and stuff, but realize that the longer you tiptoe around that horse, the longer he has to live in fear and not realize how good domestic life yeah. can be.
0: Yeah, like you've got to have a blankie on all the time. You've got to be, you can't be upset. And it's like a person that can't cope with that. That's how you right. set people up for anxiety and depression and and feeling hopelessness. You know, if, right. if everything in the world, it's, it's like that, which I go on about this culture of toxic po- positivity or, or happiness. And, and thinking yeah. that, you know, all emotion and then labeling emotions as good as or bad. It's bad to trigger, you know, a negative emotion in a horse for like five minutes, one hour or whatever. So they don't have to be triggered by that anymore but just keeping everything sweet and happy. It's like, hang on, but allowing them to be, allowing them to go through a process of experiencing a, a, a skillfully controlled level of stress so right. that they can be motivated to work out how to navigate yeah it creates that 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 sense of control over themselves they're no longer confronted yeah. by a human by a halter by pressure or whatever and they can handle that they know how to handle that instead of thinking that tapping into that is all bad it's not yeah. all emotions emotions are not labeled as good and bad they have, a, they have a reason have a process for, for being there. And it's about adaption and learning and getting resilient
1: and stuff. I yeah. completely agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, they learn, I found that um, with training, especially that they, they end up getting so confident in themselves when they realize they can work through something and they're yeah. okay on the other yeah. side. And you get these horses that can be just, they can go right out by themselves and be and feel good because they they know how to calm themselves down they know how to handle stuff they know they can handle it um and so yeah uh that's that's a big part of our training and i just noticed with with mustangs that you know need to be a part of a herd so bad or they will they will literally die right like in their mind they're gonna die um that it's it's just kind of really shaped our training for the domestic courses that that we get or or mustangs that have been domesticated and kind of maybe spoiled a little bit, yeah. um, and and then kind of helping them through that. But yeah, I mean, you you're way better at, um, way more eloquent and wording all of that than I. Am. Oh,
0: no, that's not true. <laughs> Pretty good yourself. Um,
1: but yeah, this might lead to good to one of your other questions um, about like if we run into any that we can't train or just they're yeah. just wild, right? Yeah. So. Um, So I, I do truly believe that every horse is trainable, Mm. but, but I don't know if every horse should be trained. Ah, that's Um, a very
0: good point. Explain.
1: So, um, some of these guys are just, they're great about, they, they become domesticated. They, they transition wonderful. They want to be, they want that relationship. You can just tell, like just looking at them. Um, and then there's others that just kind of they do have that wild in them like they would much rather not not have to do it not have to do this human contact um, and those ones will take years to train and may not be completely safe for everybody yeah. but for me i'm like why when there are so many that want to really have a relationship with people really want like they love their food being brought to them and taking a nap <laughs> in the sun and like they're really enjoying their cushy little life right they They want it like, so, you know, why spend that much time and energy training something that, you know, really doesn't want it as much. Can you? Yeah, I think you can, but but why? Why spend tens of thousands of dollars in training? um, Because, you know, this one's pretty or this one spoke to you or for me, it's it's empathy again, right? It's like, okay, this person, the person wants this horse to be something in their head. Yeah, They're not looking at the horse in front of them and being, okay, yeah. what does this horse really want? What does this horse really need? You know, yeah, give it a good go, but you know, within at least the first, first few months, if they're gonna come around, if they're gonna be like, oh, okay, I'm, I just need a little extra time, mm-hmm. you know, um, I process things slower or or if they're just like, I-, I don't want this. And and so I we won't even train those horses anymore yeah. Cause I interview the clients now and I'll tell them, you know, if this horse is bucking everybody off, you know, why aren't, why don't you listen to him? Yeah. You know, if he's, if, Oh, it took you, it took you two years to get a saddle on him, but you really want to ride him. I'm like, what, why don't you listen to this horse? He's telling you that they don't, yeah. he doesn't want it. So um, instead of having your ideal, your dream, you know, it's, it's not about you. And that's the hardest thing. I think for horse people is realizing it's not about you yeah um, about what that what that horse needs um and then once you realize it's about that horse need and you give it to them then you realize you get that fulfillment and that joy for me at least um but yeah there's where you have some that we have sent back it's pretty yeah. it's pretty rare like we'll give a good go at most things
2: yeah.
1: um but i've had some where we've had to have that talk with the client and we're like you know this this horse just doesn't and and the alternative is is not bad like if you return them to BLM, cause they have like, you have like a year, right? To yeah. ter- return them for an adoption. If you return them, they go to long-term holding. They live in government pastures. Yeah. You know, they, they're just out with other horses. So um, it's not it's not a bad life. And then go find one. There's so many that want to be gentle. The thing is that people are so blinded by color. They yeah. just want the pretty color. Yeah. And um, I I tell you, most of the horses that are colorful, they're nuts. <laughs> god i'm like give me a plane bay any day and they have a nice mind but um yeah everybody wants all these fancy colors and they tend yeah. to be the the harder ones to train but yeah so so yeah the gist of it is i do think if you're willing to put the time in but why why when you can have a, an amazing horse yeah throw, you could do whatever on in six months and and then one that you spent five years on that only you can ride when there's a full moon or like i mean yeah what, so and all try, these the yeah Yeah. so what's the point like it's just for me it's not worth it it's just not yeah. worth it so. yeah let
0: them be wild that's a good point yeah
1: yeah listen to them they, they tell you that you can really tell the ones that are like oh i'm kind of digging this whole domestic thing this is pretty good right this is not so bad yeah um, and the ones that are just like they got it they got this wild in their eye and you could see them just looking off like they just they don't they don't want it and that's okay um it's totally okay.
0: Hey, I got to, because I, I work with a few Brumbies over here, and I got to tell you about one and get your perspective of it. It was really interesting. Um, so I got a great friend called Jane, and I know Jane listens to this podcast. So, hey, Jane, she does a great job with um, with the Brumbies. And she had two Brumbies. She's got one of them, she's just um, found another home for. But this one she found another home for, which is loving. Her name was Ebony. Um, Ebony was almost like, <clears throat> discriminated between other horses and Brumbies <clears throat> it's really interesting she would um she would speak to like she'd like hang out with Brumbies but not other domesticated horses it's just like they didn't speak good enough horse for her and mm-hmm. she'd, um, she um yeah she kind of had an affinity for other Brumbies horses that came from that were Brumbies than domesticated horses have you ever seen a horse like that it's just like it's just like they are not the same those oh. domesticated horses
1: yeah, actually, um, I have a really good story too. So, um, and this, this kind of might help illustrate why I think they're this different. Mm. So we had this really old, um, Mustang. He was a herd stallion. Um, he'd got gathered in his twenties Yeah, and he had like oh, no wow. teeth. Yeah. Like no wow. teeth left. Beautiful, beautiful horse. Um, Pinto, he was a Pinto. And, um, so he got gelded and a friend of ours adopted him and just, Send him up to us because we just put him I can you know the idea was to put him on pasture and just let him live his you know his days yeah. out um real sweet horse um not really gentle but not really scared of you either mm. um just never really there's no point really training him um like we could get his feet trimmed and stuff like that and mm. so um he lived with us for a couple of years before he finally got he colic he's old and and we put him down but um, we, we were doing a lot of like endurance Arabians at the time and, um, they're just freaking nuts. I'm sorry. They come in just nuts. And so they'll just be like, um, cause, and they feed off each other, right? That's how they learn. so this lady was breeding these Arabs and she'd bring them over and they all paste like she just had ruts in every single one of her pens because they all wow. paste and and we're all just neurotic. And so they learned from each other to be like that. So we got this horse and, and she just, I cannot get her to, I mean, I have all kinds of little tricks to stop him from pacing. Cause if you come onto our place, nobody it's stable management's everything. Nobody's pacing. I don't have any cribbers, weavers, nothing like that is going on. It's real peaceful there. Yeah. And so we have this, so every time there's one of them pacing, it just makes me neurotic. Cause I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> so we'll switch them around a little bit. Like nothing was working with this horse. So I was like, you know what? I give up. So I threw her in the pen with him. He was in a big paddock hmm. and I just threw her in there with him. And would, you know, every time she started pacing, he would go after her. He would go totally. after her and attack her. Yeah. And attack her and tell her to cut it the hell out and then go back to just hanging out and being peaceful. And wow. she just didn't, she didn't know how to handle it. She was like, well, uh, okay. Cause you're a young Arab. And yeah. so she, she ended up, she, she quit. It took about a week. Of yeah. and He just trained her to stop. He's like, because that meant that kind of behavior in the wild that'll get you killed you're yeah. attracted way too much attention yeah. and you're wearing yourself out and so um she settled down so much she's somebody's wow. quiet little trail horse nice. and right that is a yeah. cool story yeah and so um i did it a couple more times with some other yeah. um because and it the, i got the idea actually from a friend of mine who's also a mustang trainer um she's like, hey, you know, sometimes I just throw a burrow in with them. And I was like, huh, okay. And I was like, well, I don't got any burrows handy right now. So I'm like, but I got this old Mustang. And so sure enough, he did, he fixed a couple of those um, wow. paces. Like he would just tell them to cut it out. And then they, he would just go back to sleep with his foot hiked up in the sun. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess I should do what he's doing. Cause you know, yeah. but yeah, cool. so really interesting play, but, um, but yeah, so I, most of the, the Mustangs that I, that we get in, they just don't have patience for the, the domestic horses (laughs) in that sense. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, but they don't like, not like them. They just kind of like, um, I'm not dealing with your garbage. So this is how we do things here. So it's kind of funny. That's awesome.
2: Kat, you got a question? I do. (laughs) Can you tell us about how the welfare of the Mustangs is in America at the moment? Like what, what are they doing to look after them or what does the program look like?
1: Um, so um, it's like most things in America, um, it's all political. Um, <laughs> and there are two sides and neither one of them listens to the other side or makes a whole lot of sense. Um, right? So that's most things in America, um, so. Um, the biggest issue is that, it, I mean, the facts are, um, yeah, they're very devastating to the land. They are multiplying about the herds double every three years, you know, because these mares get bred every year. Same yeah. thing with burrows, like, you know, burros or donkeys or whatever, that it's the same problem. They have no real predators and um, we're in a drought. Um, so, they have to do something about it are the gathers the answer um i think it's a piece of the answer but it's not enough right um like right now the the, the they don't even have the staff to do the gathers they need to do and and they're constantly getting um having to fight the lobbyists and fight the the you know the bleeding hearts um people with the that are making tons of money exploiting mustangs and like oh they need to be free and etc but like they don't see the devastation don't see those guys starving out there they don't see yeah. them getting gathered and they're they're you know Man- there's no water and yeah, yeah and they're yeah. they're completely like em- um um Man- so emaciated yeah, yeah like it, they're just oh. <laughs> it, and it's yeah, yeah it's and it's bad like i mean i've seen it um but it's all, it's all propaganda. Cause I mean, every single one of those organizations has a donate button on them. So yeah. they're like, you know, it's all, they're all pulling heartstrings, It's all total propaganda. And it's really frustrating because um, we all want to have our wild horses still out there. Right. But they have, yeah. they do have to be managed. Um, and, and just people's uh, understanding of it and it's amazing to me how people can form these massive opinions on something they know a fraction of about, yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. they have a really strong opinion on it. Like, uh, why don't they just gild all the stallions? And I'm just like, okay, let's think about that for a minute. What's yeah. <laughs> that going to happen? One, well, it takes one stallion to impregnate how many mares?
2: Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. You no, just have- I mean, it actually makes more sense to sterilize the mares because then now that mare can't have any more babies, So right? that's-
2: like, Really interesting point. I don't know if you've seen, but in New Zealand they've gone through and they've given a drug to all the mares and the Kaimana were so that they're mm-hmm. not breed. And apparently it lasts for about four years. Have you seen so, much about?
1: Yeah. So and that's the same thing, right? they are like, oh, why don't you just give them the birth control? There's PCP, and it's got it's pretty effective. Um, but it's like, um, okay, you want to sit out in these like really arid mountain. <laughs> you know regions and just wait and then you you know like the amount of time and and like some of these places are so remote like super remote like it's just is it feasible for some smaller herds yeah absolutely i think And, and they are using it um the blm doesn't have the staff the thing people don't realize is the bureau of land management handles all of the public lands in the united states the wild horse portion of it is small so yeah. their budget has to cover everything, yeah. and so they just they simply don't have the staff um, yeah. to go out there and you know shoot these things. And it's not safe. I and mean, we have people that like you know are so against the helicopter gathers are like, why don't they do it like the old west and on a horseback? And I'm like, you have any idea how dangerous that is? I was yeah. like, do you want to ride on horseback galloping across this stuff? Like, like um, like no, like it's just it's it's because they have don't have real understanding. Yeah. And how yeah. do you educate them? That takes money too, right? Like yeah, it takes yeah. money to to um, advertise that and notify people and educate people and put it out there in social yeah. media um, takes time and money and and those those darn um, uh, rescues and and all those organizations um, mm-hmm. they they got that nice donate button and they they pull on people's heartstrings and they get a lot of money yeah, so yeah, um, wow. and they end up they end up blocking a lot of things in um you know in the government because and which which ties you know the their hands so they can't go and do some of the things like like the spaying spaying mares yeah they, they did this whole propaganda about oh they go and they go with chains and they rip them out and they're like it's all and it's not oh. it's laparoscopic it's literally a laparoscopic procedure like yeah, yeah and it yeah and they just made it so horrific and um yeah, so wow. that got stopped so they can't do that so even even the gathers themselves um get stopped and and the point is to gather them when they're healthy right you don't yeah, want to gather right. them to the point where they're they're they look horrible and they're so stressed and and yeah. so people are like oh look see they're all fat and shiny they're they're lying there's not enough i'm like yeah that's when they want to gather them um so there's a lot of like there's a lot of that going on just
0: yeah, like a lot of immense, naive ignorance. Like,
1: yeah, I call yeah just immense, like almost willful ignorance, right? Because yeah. the gathers are public; anybody can go and watch them and yeah. see what's actually going on. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, go talk to some BLM employees. It, they they have this thing where they're like, "Oh, well, all the cattle are eating up all the grass," and I'm like, "Cattle industry is highly highly regulated." Mm-hmm. Um, you know that if it's it doesn't it doesn't serve them to destroy the land because then the cattle won't have land to graze on mm-hmm. so um they have to like move them and rotate them and, and so and a lot of this place where they uh do have wild horses are no cattle because the vegetation is so, such garbage or yeah. already crashed so there's not even any cattle out there there's actually not very many hmas that and hma is a herd management area it's, oh, it's like yeah. a, the area where the the herds live that uh don't have cattle or sheep or any of that on them. So that's another propaganda thing. So it's it's hard because the people are really, really passionate about it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to educate somebody when they're so set in their mind of what their opinion on something is. Yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, it's a big problem. So um and now we're running into I think the programs are great. Um yeah. that Mustang Heritage Foundation has developed. They've uh, looks like they've got, I don't know, probably close to 20,000 adopted so far in their programs wow. in the past in, 10 years or something, yeah. um, you know, just kind of letting more people, because there's, there's people, I run into people, especially on the east coast of America that don't even know there are wild horses, people, just say, <laughs> they don't, no way, it's so, but it's such a big part of my life that I'm like, really, like, had no idea that that even is a thing, mm-hmm. um, so getting that out there, right, so, um, but, uh, the Mustang Heritage Foundation programs have definitely um, been able to get, get Mustang in in more of a household name than it used to be. Yeah. And changing the stigma that they're these scrawny little big headed, yeah. um, right, which they're not. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so they've done really good with that. Um, but um, I think we're going to be running into a little issue. I don't know if you're aware in the United States right now that like hay has doubled in price really? in the past like six months. Um, fuel has doubled in price. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's, we're already starting to feel it with our clientele as well as um, with the, I just had pickup for the, the competition I put on in Las Vegas. And I had 15 people drop out in a week, which is just unprecedented. that never wow. happened.
0: Is that because um, of the drought or other world things like Russia? I think sanctions and things like that?
1: So um I know the fuel issue is mostly the world thing. you know, as much yeah. as people want to blame our president, like he has control of the entire world, apparently. Um, but it's more of a it's more of a of a world thing, right like the um, and I really think that our our gas companies are gouging people like crazy because their profits are skyrocketing right now Um, and it just sucks but so if fuel is more expensive then everything is getting more expensive right you need tractors to cut the hay you need tractor or you need you know fuel to haul it and so um so that's why and um and i mean there is a drought but um that's nothing that we haven't dealt with before yeah but um, but, yeah, so it's definitely the the cost of fuel is really hurting yeah. um hurting a lot. It's like it was over seven dollars a gallon in um California, and we just went there, wow, this past week, holy moly, is, yeah, holy moly, yeah. yeah, and that's for diesel, that's crazy, yeah, so um, so yeah, that we're seeing that seeing that impact, and I really have a big concern that it's going to impact um adoptions, um yeah. yeah which is another big, big problem Um, because I think at some point the, the federal government's going to get tired of paying to feed all of these guys um, and are seriously considering like slaughter. Um, We, we don't do that in this country and um, I'm not opposed to slaughter, but I am opposed to it on a large scale of things that are usable, Um, but like humane, you know, a humane slaughter, like you've got stuff out there that's like you know old or lame or whatever like that's never going to be useful mm. but which is not a popular opinion either but I'm terribly pragmatic it's yeah. just kind of who I am um <laughs> so I'm just like well I'm like but I don't I I think what's going what's happening right now is it get shipped you know out of the country and aren't aren't treated as humanely um,
2: as no control when it's not in your country
1: yeah exactly exactly at least we could control it and it can be a humane thing as opposed to hauling them you know for hundreds and hundreds of miles and then just they they're they're just not treated the same so um yeah. and it's unfortunate uh, we have another problem with uh their mustangs are real popular with these kind of kill pens and they're kind of making people they'll buy them at auction and then they sell them at inflated prices Yeah. Um, because they just they pull up people's heartstrings like (laughs) so well yeah i think it's like you said it's uh earlier is it's scraping the surface of the problem yeah um it's not a true solution um adoption so i can i can only do what i can do um just this year alone um the sitter and i have helped get um i think what like over 150 adopted so That's a yeah, so that was my yeah. That's kind of why we got into this is I just fell in love with that first Mustang, and yeah. then I did my first makeover yeah. in 2016, and and I've just been hooked ever since. And I'm like I, I have this strong desire to help as many as possible. Yeah, um, and cool.
0: so that's actually a good segue to to bring us to chat about what you and your has designed. You know, you've got um yeah. you've got your um you got your site now with great training videos and I would like you to tell more about that because as we started when we started the conversation uh, today it was all about that you know you can run into trouble with these horses that are highly tuned you need those skills but it's like you need that support and as you said when you listen to those penrangulars when you pick that horse out you listen to those people that know that have right. been there and done that and how crucial that was for you for getting your hands on a really special horse. Um, the problems that people can fall into is really because you've got these great horses but you've got to know how to work with them. And so you've produced this great resource that's there for people to get that help, to, to see how these horses can be handled by, by, you know by two people that know how to handle them very well. Um, But also being able to follow and see these horses change through the, you know, the videos and and things that you got put up, that's, that's inspirational. So can you tell us a bit more about what you've just released and what's available now?
1: Yeah, Um, so I, there's definitely a big need, I think, in that, that world of, you know, horse training and natural horsemanship and, and the availability of online programs and things like that. Um, there aren't very many good ones geared toward mustangs yeah you can see some videos on youtube and things like that there are some big you know i won't name names of course but there's some big trainers out there that are horsemanship trainers or whatever and um and i see them being recommended in mustang groups all the time but like they've literally never even trained one from wild so like why would you listen to somebody that that hasn't done it. Whereas Sarah and I have done hundreds at this point, like, you yeah. know, I'm not, not to say that, you know, we get, we learn stuff every day, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but still like, I mean, I think we got a little bit of a handle on it, yeah. um, you know, to try to share, I want, I would love for people to not have to make the mistakes that we made yeah. um, if they can, if they can help it. Um, and so um, we're so fortunate now that we have these, this ability to bring um, you know, video and content and education, um, online, like we weren't ever able to do before, um, and reach, reach more people. Um, and so, um, I had this dream of also being authentic. Um, like I personally, like I'm out there when it's cold in some sweats, wearing like five layers, Whatever I could come on, I'm now matchy matchy and looking like I'm going to go to a horse show. You're real. (laughs) It's real, right? I'm out there, like you know, covered in gunk and and what I what we have to work with. I don't have a big fancy covered arena and all this stuff. So, like, that's relatable, right? Like,
2: absolutely.
1: I I would think so. Like you, you know, hey, you go out in your backyard. You got 15 minutes. Go out, go work with your horse. Mm -hmm. at that 15 minutes compounding over every single day is going to make the difference. Like, you don't, you don't need to have all this stuff to be a good trainer and to do a good job um, and And to learn and to have, you know, have fun. So, so I think being, being relatable like that, like we're, this is what this is what we do every day this is what you get this is yeah. this is what we look like this is what we wear it's not yeah it's and not just the, being able
0: to see that real footage of it happening yeah. real time not like some kind of pristine version of like oh this was a start and then look how good it got at the end you know right I, I noticed a lot of that. yeah and I have I've, to say your voiceover commentary and stuff like that is so good because as you said you got to learn to read them and you yeah. give like a fabulous insight when it's when when it's happening about giving that extra thing of like look at that that's why we did this this is what you see you know brilliant really really well done
1: thank you that was a big thing for me too is like um I you know I've watched a lot of videos and and people's things is, is um watching a horse actually learning it in real time not you know oh hey they already know it and this is how you do it you know yeah. and so you don't see like the problems like okay we well this is what we normally do but it's not working this time so how are we how do we figure out how to change things to help that horse learn yeah um so that's what we wanted to bring is like this is like real content and a lot of it is not just one horse I've seen people do that too where it's like just one horse and they take you through their whole program with one horse and that's a big thing too is we don't have a program we have this is like a lot of stuff that we do for with most horses mm-hmm. and different stuff. So it's not like, yeah, we do groundwork and then the first rise, there's some you know things that we want. It's kind of a basic outline, but it's not like you have to do it this way. Um, we want yeah. to create people that are able to um, or help them, yeah, yeah f- figure stuff out on their own um, based on that's why we call it. it's it's named the perpetual. Um, training toolbox and that's why you're always learning and then you're creating you're getting tools that you're going to be able to to use later you may not use it on every horse Mm -hmm. but you got it in your back pocket in case you might need it one day Um, and so that's kind of what we're bringing and so there's a lot of content there's a lot of videos that we want to bring but it's with a lot of different horses yeah um, that you can watch from like the very there's quite a few that we have from the very beginning yeah um, to them going under saddle instead of watching one horse, because that's that one horse with their one unique personality type, right? And then, um, and so like, that's always hard because you're like, well, my horse doesn't like that horse. So you know, I'm not having that issue, yeah, you know? Wow. So, you know, whether we have kind of quiet dull ones or super flighty feely ones or, you know, so, and everything in between. So um, you can kind of follow those those animals journey um, and that we don't like, we're not super system, uh, what's the word? Systematic.
0: You really, because what you're dealing with is, um, these horses that are wild and as they're going through the, you know, like the learning curve that you see right. is they learn, and they go through that first part of the learning curve is called the struggle stage. Right. Okay? It's where they're like kind of getting it, hitting, missing, like, you know, not sure, not sure. And they, and they, they throw out all these behaviors and it's, it's up to your skill to be able to go, okay, I'm seeing this, I've got to do that. And I know myself when I was putting together my own kind of training process, it's just like it's really hard to find a horse. What do you do? Because, um, you know, you'll get, well, some horses will respond like this, some will respond like that. And if you were oh. going to, like, create a training thing, it would be like, you know, 16 years long of how to deal with (laughs) it so what you're doing by presenting case studies so you're presenting lots and lots of case studies to kind of show this to get people involved in these horses journeys or the differences between that so as a trainer, when you get skilled, when they're presented to you, you know, you can just say, okay, I've got one that's, that's going to go down that route. Okay, I've got to do a bit more this or that. And that's because horse training is a big part of it. Yeah, you've got to know skills and things to do and how to introduce, but you've got to have a decision-making framework and you've got to make decisions being right. quick. You've got to be able to recognize it to be able to have an idea what to do. And that's what your platform with all your case studies provide is that recognition of like, I've seen that before. You know, I've seen this before and this was an idea to help with that. So it helps you make a decision. So when you learn to do something, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But what you've created is something that allows you to safeguard you, reduces your amount of mistakes and gives you all that kind of that background knowledge to be able to draw on, to start making good decisions, to risk manage. So you actually get, a, you set yourself up for a good outcome. And that's what a really great thing about the internet and experts like yourself sharing the real life stuff that goes
1: on, which is really cool. Something too, that's a little different with us is like, um, is, is taking into consideration you know, the person, like I physically cannot do some of the things that Isidro can do. Yeah. So I have figured out workarounds and different ways of yeah. doing it to get yeah. to the same outcome, but that I can, cause he's, you know, he's taller than me. I mean, I have leg envy like on <laughs> him, <laughs> but you know, I can't do some. So I just alter some things and yeah. we show you that, like I do a lot of positive reinforcement training yeah. incorporated in mine. Um, and it does not work well for every horse Um, and you'll have people that are purists and I'm super against any kind of like pigeonholing myself. Like, um, I just really want to make sure that, okay, I think positive reinforcement training is great and I can use it a lot. Right. Um, but there are some horses that are so distracted by it, uh, that I just, it's no, it's like, why fight it to, why try to make them fit into this peg hole when negative reinforcement just just keeps their mind so much more settled um and and so yeah it's the same thing like that's in there too yeah hey i use this too i don't i don't like to knock anything out completely because i never know when i might run into that horse that 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 could work for um and and for me me physically like you know i'm older i'm not you know i'm not as tall i'm not you know, super young and like I was. And so I can adapt and still be an effective horse trainer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's something else too, is, is not feeling like, oh, I can't do something mm-hmm. um, because, you know, cause like, and a sitter will run into that where he's like, oh, you just do this. It's easy. And I'm like, dude, you're, you got like six inches on your arm <laughs> i even have like, like, I literally can't do that without my head being in a not a good spot. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's kind of, I think, nice to bring um, a different perspective. Um, it, so there's two of us kind of doing it. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm really excited about. There's a couple things that we have in the works um, yeah. where I actually want to have a um, a full program, a full course where, somebody can actually become a tip trainer. Like yeah. everything that I have learned from marketing to selection, to, um, yeah. the training, um, to screening potential adopters, uh, mm-hmm. uh, adopters. So, um, that's coming. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's, we're not solely, um, Mustang based. We, our primary thing is Mustangs and Burroughs are on yeah. there. Uh, we even have um, starting a burrow under saddle. Um, <laughs> wow, very cool. Yeah, um, and so and and to um, we get uh, like endurance because that's what we like yeah. to do, and yeah. and yeah. dealing with stuff that you that you come into an endurance, you know, and so which I would love to push more mustangs doing that because they're just they're built for it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and so um, and then we do a lot of like just we get horses with problems. Um, yeah. And I, I will tell you like 99.9% of the time, it is pain related.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it no, is
1: pain related or pain association related. Yeah. yeah and it's uh, trying
0: to find what that is. I can tell you that I completely agree with that. The more I work with horses, the ones that are the most difficult are all, yeah. I've got like a hundred percent track record of every <laughs> horse that's been difficult or done something weird or being inconsistent. There's something wrong with it. Yeah. We've learned that, haven't we, Kat? (laughs) Um, Kat knows that another level. She's a farrier. Oh, wow. With unsoundness and hidden hidden unsoundness um, that is not that easy to diagnose or that's difficult to x-ray
1: or whatever. Yeah, it's a real. Well, even as like, you know, in the medical field, like you are, you know, like the diagnostic stuff is not 100%. No, like you I, gotta dig sometimes you know it's not like oh you got an x-ray and an x-ray said your leg wasn't broken I'm like well that view of it probably <laughs> wasn't but um yeah. it, it still doesn't mean it's not broken yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah it's uh it's it's not a it's not a hundred percent thing um for sure um yeah. it takes a lot of investigation but that's the same thing we gotta listen yeah. They're, t- they're talking to us all the time. We just got yep. to pay attention and listen.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Well, it's been great talking to you, Amber. I think that was a very cool interview. I learned a lot. How did you go, Kat?
2: Thank you very much Lee, for joining us. I've yeah. worked... You've I'm written gonna... a heap of notes there.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: really beautiful. Anyway, Amber, we'll, um, we'll say goodbye there. Thank you so much for coming on Canna Therapy. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on again. Sometimes, but very good luck. And I hope people, ah, before we go, Uh because I know you just don't have your course. Can you tell us where, what your socials are, how people can find you? You've got an absolute rocking YouTube channel and everything like that for people to tune into and get a taste of what you do. So if you could just give us a run through about how people can find you.
1: Yeah, um, so we do have a YouTube channel. There's a lot of videos on there um, already that are free. And um, I'd love people to subscribe to that. It's just Isidro Espinoza Horsemanship. Um, you can find us on YouTube or on TikTok, i.e. horsemanship, yeah. um, which is a ton of fun. TikTok yeah. has been a lot of fun. Um, I've been sharing more on there. Uh, We're on uh, Facebook, of course. Um Ciro Horsemanship, everything. We try to keep it the same, same yeah. kind of name um, on Instagram, uh, same thing. And then um, we do have a Patreon group that's up that has, I think, over 85 educational videos on it. by itself it's just not as organized as the website um the website already has a ton of videos on it um we have a really cool horse that we have in training right now uh that we're following his journey from pickup yeah and um, and he's he's beautiful yeah he's his name 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 is his name is ligero and he's a gray he's like 15 one hands and um really cool horse um yeah. Not, not a walk in the park course. He's, he's one that we're having to work every day with. So like really work for everything. So he's, yeah. he's a good one to follow. Um, like it's a little rodeo sometimes, so videos can be fun to watch. Um, but, but yeah, so his, all his videos are up on the website right now. Um, and so the website will, we will be posting at least three new videos a month and then a live Q and a with us once a month, okay, that's um, was part of it. Yeah, so because uh, we really want to help people um, be successful and realize they can they can do it, um, yeah. which is kind of exciting because there's we have a few f- followers that have been patrons um, for for a couple of years now, and they uh, a couple of them had just adopted their first mustangs and are training them. And, and they're doing amazing. And so, yeah, cool. and I really think having that knowledge base of going, oh, yeah. I've seen this before, like you said, yeah. um, of watching it and then, and then be able to have that feedback of that support. Be like, yeah. Hey, I kind of, this is going on. What do I do? Um, kind of thing that, yeah. but, but have access to somebody because you might not have in-person access. Um, yeah. and I still think in-person is the best, but I think you can certainly supplement it really well with virtual stuff so yeah
0: absolutely no I agree it was um
1: through COVID
0: actually that I found out it was quite funny or like a, a whole ton of my my clients because I, I had I couldn't go see them so I that's what inspired me to build all my stuff and then my clients performances all went up like that like they actually got better awesome. <laughs> during COVID because that's it was wonderful. that fact that they could go and watch me they could watch it again multiple times and then they could go and practice and practice and practice because when it's just that face-to-face and it's not a a resource they can go redraw on, they just hear the one snapshot of it, but then they could study it, practice it. And then me giving them, well, now you can give, you don't have to be there to give someone a lesson with a tech that's out there now or just doing a lot of video review. You know, people send me a little snapshot video and I'll give like a voiceover, I'll watch it back and I'll talk about it you know, that's such a handy, helpful thing. And I said, people, you know, I've got people from all over the world and, and how
1: they improve. Right. So yeah, and, you I face to face. And so who cares what the fuel prices are, right? Because you can, just yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to go anywhere. So yeah, same thing. We, we, we have that available too, is, is virtual lessons. I mean, virtual yeah. lessons are the way to go because um, less stress on your horse and yourself as you're trying to work through things. Um, for sure. Uh, I, I think it's it's opened a lot of COVID opened a lot of doors that way. Yeah. I think that we would not have and kind of pushed us through it a lot faster than we, yeah. we would have exactly. I think done otherwise. Cause we're so, you know, we're horse people, right? We're like, oh man, I don't know, I like it this way. This is the way it's always been. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard for us to kind of change and, and get more modern, um, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm going with it. So I'm really excited. I hope that, I hope that more people kind of check it out. Um, yeah. You know, and just realize that you know we're we're just we're down to down to earth everyday people yeah. out there training doing the work. Um, yeah. and, and they, they can too.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Oh, thank you, Amber. Well, we'll let you get back to your day. Um, have a good evening. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> and you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. But thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thank okay. you. Bye.
0: See ya.
2: Thanks for listening to Candor Therapy. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure you leave a rating. And a review where you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we're at Canter Therapy Podcast. You can find Shelley on Facebook at Dr. Shelley Appleton, Horse Training Coach, or she has a fantastic group called Calm, Willing, Confident Horses where she's been doing weekly lives. If you'd like to find me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm at forenza Park. Have an amazing week, guys, and make sure you hug your ponies.